0: Welcome to another episode of The Modern Agilist. We have a very special guest for you guys, Floyd Itter. And when we talk about bridging the gap or bridging the entire work stream of project management from what it was to what it is now in its purest form of iterative delivery to what it will soon become, which is autonomous teams that have reach a level of autonomy that no one could imagine. We're, we're going to cover the gamut with today's guest. Floyd has started in Prince two, went over, adopted into agile methodologies, has brought those agile methodologies into the government space and is now even applying all of that learning, learning in the web three space. So thanks for coming on the show,
1: Floyd.
0: Hey, thanks. Thanks for the warm intro. And yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. So to start us off, how about you say, better than I can say, what you're doing these days?
1: Okay, so at the moment, I'm a technical PM for a UK based trade exchange called Coipabs. It's a pretty special company because we've got a massive green tick from the FCA, so we're actually on the FCA uh, register. So as you can imagine, there's a ton of like complex KYC and stuff like that in place, but it's an awesome team. It's a startup, very small. I've got direct reports of about six developers and then under them, there's a few more guys underneath that. It's awesome. I've just started, I'm two months in and I'll give you a bit of context around how I've got there in the first place. Um, I've been working in local authority, so local government since like around 2014, 2015. And the majority of that has been project management in the various roles that I had as an apprentice in my time there, whether that was, uh, refuse recycling, housing repair projects, uh, community safety projects. And then I spent the majority of my time in town planning, regeneration and economic development. So supporting like things like skills for young people, access to skills, employment, supporting SMEs, enterprises, startups, you name it. And then finished my time at the local authority as a program performance officer. So a lot of that was project management. I had a portfolio of projects that I would manage and report on, and also delivery of this huge iterative performance management framework within the organization that I'm sure we'll touch on shortly. 2019. I started getting involved in like crypto trading, investing in the space, doing loads of research. It become like such an extreme hobby of mine. I've got ADHD. So when I'm in into something, I get seriously into it. I manifest it, I hyper-focus on it and I struggle to think about anything else. It's, it's that's been how I've been like my whole life. So I found myself just investing, whether it's trading or long-term investing, hodling, as we love to call it. Then I thought to myself, I was like, Do you know what? I'd love to work in this space. How can I? And I love using this term. How can I bridge my skill set from traditional organisations over to the web free space? And I actually got recommended Bankless DAO from a friend of mine from a trading server, and I uh, found myself situated in the project management uh, working group, which is now Justice, the Project Management Guild. So I'm super, super pumped on that. Super so delicious on that. Also been doing some freelance stuff in the evenings, in my free time for White Hat DAO as a project manager. Part of that's involved the building out the web free uh, implementation for Talent DAO's website and some of the NFT contracts and smart contracts for the token. And that's been awesome. Talent DAO is a super, super cool project. Decentralized science, put that on your radar. Um, and then I thought to myself, like I'm at a crossroads. I'm going uh, to go through a massive restructure in my previous role. How can I fully bridge this into my like full-time occupation? And fate had it and I found CoinPass. So yeah, it's been, been crazy. I would say that my role, although I'm like my title is a technical project, project manager, I'd definitely say I've stepped up quite quickly into that product manager environment and that space. But either way, like it's just another stream to my bow. So yeah, super stoked. That's great.
0: That's great. Now, when we first met and we started uh, talking about this stuff, you've come from something called Prince Two. And I wasn't real familiar with this. And I, I like, <laughs> I had heard the term, right? Now, the, to the best of my understanding, for our listeners' uh, benefit, uh, to the best of my understanding, Prince Two is extremely similar to the PIMBOK, the Project yeah, Manager yes, books. Yes. And, and maybe it's the UK or the European version of.
1: Yeah. Yeah, very, yeah, very right. So it, you've got prints too. You've also got like APM, social project management. It's like that rigid, you know, risk logs, action logs, project initiation documents, like it's not very iterative by design. However, for God knows how long it served a purpose in local government. And I feel like where agile really kicked off in like the manufacturing and uh, tech industries, it slowly made its way into public sector. And yeah, sorry, I, I realize I completely overtook what you was
0: talking about. No, go on. Yeah. I guess I'll just say real quick. What's funny about this is when you're in the moment and you're dealing with something, it's not real fun. You're like, I hate this thing. But then like later on, when you get way past it, you actually look back on it, like with a kind of strange curiosity. Look at these punch cards. We use these like, this is how I'm enjoying hearing about this Prince 2 type stuff. All set, all set. Yeah, yeah, that's really true.
1: Like at the time I did find it was so rigid, but when I think back to it, in terms of like local government, you've got to prove to the taxpayer, the, the local residents of the community, how a said project is performing. And the Prince 2 waterfall process does lend itself quite well to it. However, I felt that getting people on board and believing in the projects was a lot easier to achieve by running sprints, by running, standing, wow. getting a huddle together, going over the Kanban board. And I was one of the first people in the organization to start adopting that process. Mm-hmm. And just want to preface that, well, I learned about Agile in a three-day workshop. And then <laughs> I, had to, <laughs> I had to try, you know, embed that working that mentality and that you know, methodology and ideology into my organization through some of the projects. I picked a couple of test like, uh, projects to test that, you know, that theory with, and it went really well. And that really, that's really what sparked my
2: curiosity with agile and what it made I, me dip into it even more. I think that's pretty, pretty interesting and cool because for the longest time, just as you'll know, I've said it doesn't need to be a framework. It's a, it's an idea, it's a methodology, it's an approach and you can for lack of a better term to work pretty much anywhere you don't have to you don't have to have some hey this is exactly how you run agile and this is the best framework to do it you can implement that stuff pretty much anywhere and it doesn't have to be just for software either so i think that's really cool what you said boy appreciate that
1: yeah and I, I suppose that exactly that last bit like you said it's not just for software you can do more public good projects with agile it allows you to iterate get a basic mvp in place and yeah. kind of Slowly over time, improve that. And through that process, I learned other things that kind of goes, lends itself uh, more towards strategy, not necessarily project management. So stuff like double diamonds, outcome-based accountability, like all this cool stuff. Yeah, agile really opened my kind of mind to that world, not just stuck in processes and frameworks, being able to iterate and improve, not trying to just get something done because that's what we've set out to achieve. That's what we said at the beginning we're going to do. That's what we're going to finish on. Agile, I think lends itself to make improvements along the line with a project. You might even in two sprints time go, actually, <laughs> this isn't really the direction we want to be going in. Let's scale back and try again. Whereas with Prince and waterfall, you see it from start to finish all the way to the end, and then you do a kind of it's called a, a learning and benefits uh, realization. It's like a retrospective and agile century. It doesn't happen until the end of the project. And that project could be like a year and a half long. <laughs> so uh, at that point, just be way too long to then yeah. learn from that, have it fresh in your mind and then put that into practice. So there's, there's those nuances between those two styles of um, methodologies. Now, I do think some, as I know this for a fact in UK anyway that some accreditors and course providers and facilitators are starting to merge Agile and Waterfall together.
0: Mm -hmm. I don't
1: see the point. I think you should stick with one or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, Prince2 isn't iterative at all. So why chuck something in that is, that's Mm -hmm. my opinion. But hey, open for debate from your listeners. If they disagree, I'd love to hear that.
2: Yeah, no, that's interesting too. I think there, there are even some, I'm not trying to go down a rabbit hole, but there are even some frameworks that are prescribed from an agility standpoint and they say, oh, this is, this is the new, this is the new way, right? This is the framework. uh, I'm I'm just thinking of some of the things that are called out and specifically in SAFE and some of those are other larger scale frameworks that are honestly, they're just mini waterfall, (laughs) you know what I mean? So sure, it's, I've never liked to talk in terms that are specific to Agile circles, it to frameworks. And I've never really looked to say, Hey, let's, uh, why don't you do dad? Or why don't you use safe? Or why don't you use just strictly Kanban boards and that kind of thing? It's use what works and use the principles of agile rather than a prescribed framework from some book or from somebody that, you know, that you paid a million dollars for, because you find that a lot of that stuff turns into process for process sake, or just, you know, random again, mini waterfalls. Okay. Let's do all these planning activities okay, no changes, and then let's proceed forward. That that doesn't help anything. You're, you're getting a feedback after you've already done massive amounts of overhead planning, and then you're implementing it, and then you're working for some time, maybe not a year, like you said, for some time, and then you get your feedback, and you want to be a little bit more nimble. Uh, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. We cannot stress that enough. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think there's always going to be something new and shiny that comes along with project management, especially now where we're starting to really focus on project management in a web free space where it's decentralized. That is a brand new challenge that project managers are now facing in the space. So there's probably going to be a, a new version of agile, who knows what it'd be. It might even come from Bankless, DAO's PM, Guild, you never know. But I think the, mo- the main thing to remember is it. If it works for you, like the tooling, the workflow management, then use it. I don't use everything to do with agile. I don't use WIP limits on Kanban boards. I just don't see the point from my perspective. However, I could see the point in other projects. I just think, and you know what? My previous manager in my last organization, she was a program manager, right? So she basically oversaw every single project across the organization. Like she knew what was going on with it. And she said to me, she said, I've done a ton of education around project management throughout my you know, career. She's in her sick so she's coming up to retirement age. She said, it really doesn't matter what methodology or what tool or this or that, if it fits, if it fits and if it works. And also Rick, going back to your point around like the terminology and the jargon, yep. that's another thing. How can you get a, a business owner who, I don't know, let's say 60, right? Yeah, very used to how things worked in the eighties. How can you get them on board with the agile methodologies and ways of working if it's just all this jargon and terminology? It needs to be so like straightforward and clear. And also, again, for your users though, sorry for your listeners that might not even be practicing agilists. For people who want to learn it and start learning that kind of way of project management, or they're new, they want to be a project manager. Full stop. And agile is going to be the route they go down. It's going to be very hard for them to understand it if it's not very clear,
2: like the language behind it always isn't clear. So yeah, I'm I actually think you made some amazing points there. I'll add one last thing on this topic, but, um, you know, from my perspective, at least I, I worked with, um, somebody who was in, in manufacturing and they were asking a little bit about, they were pretty traditional in their project management style, but they were a little older and they were asking what is the benefit of you know, shifting kind of my mindset to agility or pursuing these, uh, These rules essentially of agile, right? Kind of thinking along the lines of the manifesto and everything like that. Just what's the point and how do I understand it? What, why should I do it? What benefit is there? And I thought exactly what you said, Floyd, I I can't explain this using all the formal terminology. Their eyes will glaze over and They'll tune me out and they'll be like, whatever we're doing just fine with the, what we have. Mm -hmm. But I think that, and it's a skill for agilists too, as you try to, to evangelize this for lack of a better term and express, Hey, this allows for better feedback loops, quicker delivery. People are seeing what you're working on and you're able to adjust more, more easily because you're using some sort of an iterative approach, some sort of agility. Um, but you have it's a skill to try to explain the benefits and the pros without using all the big terminology and jargon. And on top of that too, Justice has a really nice talk. I think he put out and we'll have it here too on, on the Modern Agilist, but I, I always think of it this way too. When you're trying to explain being agile, whatever's being used prior or somebody's just trying to explore it, like you said, I always take the what's it, what's that mean? Jeremy Maguire, is that it? Show me the money. Yeah, 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 that's it. Show me the data. Show me the data or give me some something to chew on so that I can show you how the difference would be based on the principles of your approach. So I always take that. Okay, let's leave the jargon at home. Let's take a look at a real world example and let's, let's, let's juxtapose it
0: too. I just, uh, what's the the simplest way you could explain the agile method without using any terminology or anything to someone when you guys, when you're talking about that, it occurred to me, what words came, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Is that, that's a saying, right? One bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. (laughs) one small functional mm-hmm. piece of value to the user is worth a hundred in a spec. F- one thing you did mention, I thought was interesting, is it t- co- comes back to, to trust. You said in government, like the Prince 2, is is there this comprehensive plan of, this is a good investment, here's how we'll do 10 years from now, this is what it'll look like. And the whole idea was to get trust there. And that's where a lot of people's minds went. And you said you found that you could get You could also get trust by having some unit of value already delivered. Is is this train of thinking, did this happen before or after you went to that three-day conference? And most importantly, after that three-day workshop, did you get a certification?
1: Yeah, so (laughs) I will answer the last part of that. No, I didn't. Unfortunately, I did not get a certification. It was from in the UK. It was from the government digital service, which is a department within our central government. It's a, it's a department that somewhere along the line, the prime minister will know about because one of his ministers will be overseeing that whole, and they've been rolling out agile for forever because a lot of the government digital services or tech for, let's say people were trying to claim welfare, making all those user journeys more friendly, all those sorts of things. So no, I didn't get a certification. And then to answer your, oh, actually I do want to get a certification that is on my that is on my kind of agenda for shit. Well,
0: it's a joke. Don't worry about the certification. But <laughs> they had oh, a, you know how it is. Yeah.
1: Some <laughs> people can be real snobby and they think that shiny piece of paper is really yeah. demonstrates your value in something. Mm-hmm. I think actions speak louder than words. But anyway, to answer the first part of that question, I didn't really see the benefit until I actually started practicing Agile, until I started like testing it within my organization and found the benefit of not only having the project team come and do the stand up and go through the Kanban board and just roll off the stories and talk about our tasks in hand and just have that kind of holistic approach to it. I found it beneficial for the people who might not have even been part of the project team. It's an open plan office, right? You've got people like another hundred people in the building. You start having people walking up and just having a look at what you're doing. Then like, oh, wow. Like, I like this. It's like a domino effect and a ripple effect. And it's a good way of getting engagement through the organization. Instead of sending someone this disgustingly long 14 page project initiation document and like a, like a project plan on an Excel spreadsheet, you've got something that people can just come and give their two cents on. They can go, oh. We're not part of the project plan, but have you thought of doing this with that, like with that task at hand, Have you thought about this approach, like it just brings more people into the fold. And I think that's like the powerful difference between Agile and my experience with Prince2 is that you can work in silos comfortably in Prince2, but in Agile, it completely opens you up to the rest of the business because you're asking for that feedback. You're talking to your stakeholders a lot more talking to you cross collabing with teams a lot more. And to me, that's
0: p- more powerful than just working in a silo to get a project done. So that's interesting because it usually we get, we we'll get caught in this blocker as it were to saying, oh, you need buy-in from the top leadership. You need buy-in and it sounds like what you did is just take what was already operational and make it visible and say, okay, what are we working on? Let's put it, let's create a board here so we know what's in flight, who owns it. Start meeting in regular basis and ha- making that visible that anyone can walk up and see it. So you were just making it visible. That was the first step.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
0: we got a humongous whiteboard
1: literally outside the C-suite and SLT, like senior leadership <laughs> team offices. <This> <laughs> that's, awesome. that's where we would do it weekly sprints and then you know other people started using it i also like to use the magic whiteboard paper if you guys have used that stuff is amazing you can just cover a room with that stuff get a whiteboard pen and just go crazy but yeah powerful because everyone can see it and it just opens it up to everybody. People will just be walking by. You might not even be doing a sprint, but all that information is there. And they can go, there's a little bit of learning involved in that. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, so what's this? They might come and ask you. And you might like, go, oh, that's a Kanban board. We use it for facilitating sprints and meeting with our project team each week. Sometimes we'll have someone from another department turn up because there's a cross department link that we might need them to do some work on a particular task for us to get it over the line. And people start asking more and more questions. So eventually it got picked up, um, really got picked up when the, my previous organization started to dabble in service. That's when Agile really started to kick off. I, I dabbled with service design myself, but it wasn't like my main kind of my main duty, so to speak. So I dabbled in bite-sized tasks, but that's when Agile really started to kick off. I'd, I'd really like to say that the organization became more agile as a result, but I'm not sure we went into lockdown the following year and obviously I lost that physical, mm-hmm. physical touch with the rest of the organization to see how it operates and I think so many things got scaled back to what's priority, cleaning the roads, getting rid of the rubbish, get, making sure that people are financially ruined as a result of the pandemic. So things shifted, but yeah, sorry, I went off on a tangent there, but yeah feel like it's powerful for engaging and onboarding people. Yeah.
0: W- was there any pushback from the employees or from your you?
1: Really? Yeah, there was some pushback, especially from the kind of like upper echelon of the, <laughs> of the organization. Yeah. Purely because, um, I really hate that this happened, but some people were using it in, as an excuse and uh, it really puts a, like a kind of sour taste in my mouth. As an excuse to not communicate about the project. So people going, Oh, I'm doing it agile. So in like board meetings, they wouldn't talk about anything. They're like, harness oh, nice in hand, got a sprint. And it's like, you still there still needs to be that communication. Why don't you get your project team in and do a stand-up or invite some of these senior leadership teams to your stand-up? Mm-hmm. Which was my tactic anyway, to showcase and get that ripple effect going. There was a lot of pushback, especially from the kind of older. I I've got to give the director who I worked under at the time, it was really his idea to roll Agile out and he's been working in local government for Donkeys. I think he was in his fifties. He was, he's not an old guy that you would expect someone like that wouldn't be very well versed in it, but he was super bullish on Agile and he wanted the whole organization to run like that and he got a lot of pushback. So yeah, it was tough. It was tough. It's nice to be in tech now to be honest, where Agile was welcomed more.
0: Yeah, I guess there's a big cultural difference here, going from government to tech. Oh, dude, I've gone from Excel
1: spreadsheet <laughs> to using Monday.com and having, you know, morning huddles with my individual project teams for like website app, for mm. mobile apps, for particular projects. Like it is awesome. It's such an eye-opener to actually live and breathe Agile instead of trying to like embed it in an organization. It's still yeah, work yeah. to be, still work to be done in coin parts, obviously. And I suppose I've got to spearhead that, but they're definitely more equipped. For that way of
2: working they were doing it already i think as i learn more
1: i could probably improve
2: on that that's that's definitely the toughest thing i've experienced it personally <clears throat> going from you know going from a company that's striving or at least trying to make a tra- oh there's that word transformation to one who's you know at least working towards perfecting their agility and i don't envy the former position the one that i've been in and then I know others are in it you. It sounds like you were in it. Is, hey, I'm trying to introduce this and in, inject something here and no one really wants to hear it. And that's tough to, again, to show the money, to, to use terminology that they can relate to and to express the why behind the, what you're doing. That's tough, but, but I'm excited to hear too. I know both of you were going to bring up some of the future of this too. So I'm excited to hear where that lies too. And so I don't want to, I don't want to drive us too far too fast, but I am, I'm kind of Kind of looking forward to seeing the receptiveness of some of the folks in the Web three space and what yeah. that might look like too. So,
0: yeah, Floyd, that this is a good segue. Maybe Floyd, you could talk about. I mean, to, to a lot of our listeners, that many people are even unfamiliar with the term Web three. <laughs> I'm sure at this point, people know what crypto means or Bitcoin or digital currency and stuff, but that sounds real different than Web three. And even beyond that, what the heck does Web three have to do with PM agile type delivery, you know? So
1: do you know what? It's so hard to define what Web3 is, especially if you're talking to someone who has no real idea of the industry, right? in it's barest form is crypto. It's the blockchain. That's how this all started. But for me, Web3 is a, a tool of decentralized work. So there is no hierarchy. It's flat. Everything is operated through discourse. Everything's on chain and their people are treated as equals. And for me, that's what Web3 is all about. The main thing for me, Web3, I know people talk about NFTs and metaverse and stuff. That's never really been something I, the technology interests me. I'm bullish on the technology, but how it's been um, implemented into society so far is disappointing although there's some real awesome projects in the background that really innovate in through. NFTs and kind of decentralizing Hollywood. I'm just putting that out there. Um, but for me, Web3 is all about DAOs, all about DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. And for getting my current job, I mean, now I owe it a lot to my time within Bankless DAO, where how I met you Justice, So the people that you meet, the social capital that you can gain, the experiences that you can get and the different feedback loops, the different opinions, perspectives. You could be talking to someone who's a uni grad, who's got an amazing idea. And the next minute you're talking to someone who owns like 30, sorry, that's a, that's a pretty extreme exaggeration. Someone who owns like 50 businesses and is like the head of a VC firm or in FinTech or something. So there's such a contrast of people that are all treated at the same level and their voices are all heard. So yeah, that's. A really long winded way of explaining what web three is to me. I'd like to hear what your kind of thoughts are, Justice and Rick around what web three means to you.
0: I'll say from a historical perspective, first off, when you said web three is about DAOs, in fact, I was thinking the exact same thing right before you said it, oh, and I thought, man, what do you boil it down to? And I said, man, this sounds crazy, but for me, it boils down to DAO. So when you said it, I said, okay, yeah, I'm the same wavelength there. I guess I would say this, like web one was links. Web two was likes. Web three is, um, is tokens or DAOs, right? Web two was hypertext. It was a big deal. From Tim Berners-Lee to Google PageRank, the idea that someone could search something and it go to the top of the pile based upon other people's finding its usefulness, that was pretty innovative. And then to say, we don't even need to click to different pages to get this high interactivity. We could share videos, we could record calls like we're doing right now. We could do all this like within the same screen, and then we can do this all on our phones, walking around pretty soon through augmented reality. Web three is even the mun aspect of all that, because the web ended up being dominated by ads where basically values extracted from 99% of the users of the internet, and it goes into a handful of uh, big tech entities that become mm-hmm. more powerful and um, wealthy than actual nations. The idea was. Man, we can actually take those centralized institutions out and have all of this run in a decentralized way. And so that's Web3 to me, I think, from a historical perspective.
1: Oh, that's an awesome way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. From, a, how does this relate to project management, project delivery, agile delivery methods? What's the connection there? Agile in itself is iterative
1: by design and working in a DAO, it has to be iterative because You're going to have people come and go constantly. You need a, in my opinion, you need a place where information is centralized, but work and knowledge is decentralized. And I feel that agile is the way to go with that. Also, I feel like agile lends itself more to asynchronous working and which you've probably found as well justice in DAOs. You're going to be working with people from all sorts of different time zones all over the world. And even now, like you guys at EST. On the British summer time, there's a big time gap in between us. So finding a slot's really difficult when you've got a lot of these like agile tools, like Monday, Asana, uh, U-Track, stuff like that. It's really helpful in terms of people being able to just pick it up, plug in and play in getting in their teeth in to a project. So that's where I see agile going. Just there's not going to be like a set project team anymore. There's going to be the the flesh and the bones of a project. And then the centralized information that the knowledge, the talent, and the work that's going to be done is going to be decentralized. People can come and go. People could be onboarded. People could be upskilled to take a punt at it, be a project manager for a low key project within a DAO. Even if they've never been a project manager before, Agile is going to really help with that. That's my two cents, really, on that.
0: What do you think is the, the, the biggest challenge or, or even before or right along with the biggest challenge, like what's the unlock here that doesn't exist in just founding uh, a business in your local, in your state and running a business that way compared to the web three space. And so that would be like, what's the big promise or the upside. And then along with that, what's the big challenge?
1: So I'll start with a challenge, people. Although decentralization is awesome. I think people tend to be purist decentralized, right? So that everything needs to be decentralized. People forget that sometimes some things within this space don't need to be decentralized and I feel like it's important there it isn't. So project information for starters, I feel should be centralized. People should be able to access it. It shouldn't just be around in the ether. So to speak, also, I feel that the, although the positives of decentralization, like I talked about and agile ended itself, it's also, it's challenge too, right? So it's not, it's not roses and it's not a pretty picture. Like it's like a yin and a yang, in my opinion, because although you've got that ability to have autonomous teams, you've also not really got high levels of accountability either. So. It's difficult to have someone say, I'm leading the charge for this project. Well, I feel like you still need that accountability to some degree. You need that person who kind of spearheads it, leads by example, like champions that project. I feel like that part is lacking sometimes from my experience within DAOs. And I don't think it's a bad thing that we can bring over from the traditional uh, org environment. I think it's important to have project leads. I know we have the titles within the DAOs, but the people can be voted in and out of them. I do feel like that can be, although it can be good in some cases, it can still be bad. That could like negatively impact on the project, albeit if someone isn't doing great. I feel that DAOs lends itself better than a traditional org to make a change. Because we haven't got like millions of dollars going into a project. It's all done by our thought, like our full power, our brain power and our kind of drive and ambition. So yeah, there's a lot of pros and cons. There's, I feel like it's a big yin and a yang. I said,
0: No, it makes sense uh, the, the thing that occurs to me, like the kind of the big power unlock with, with DAOs and DAOs running projects and creating products is two things. And these are things that. In the purest form, I'm talking like the platonic ideal of agile is the team as the autonomous unit. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that platonic idea is immediately fractured and blurred as soon as you drop it into a larger organization, because now the team really doesn't ultimately decide who's on the team. The team doesn't ultimately decide like how they manage funds within the team. Like all of that's done by the larger organization. Whereas in the DAO space, 100%, that team basically decides how those funds are allocated within yep. agile has a strong emphasis on the flat hierarchy and away from titles and you get that in the web three space. And then lastly too, not only are you in an organization that in that organization is also in another larger category called a nation or a domicile. Even what you can do is limited by that larger category as well. Hey, we have the best software engineer in the world. He wants to join the team. What country is he in? Does he have permission to work? It's strange to think about, but when you actually see the actual situation, like for instance, my wife right now would love to work. She's eager to, but she doesn't have a work permit. She can't work in any country in the world right now, legally at all, online, offline at all. Why? Because she doesn't have a work permit in the country that she is legally in, right? And when you remove the organization, the larger, and then you also remove those boundaries, you're moving closer to that platonic ideal of the autonomous team that decides its composition itself, decides its compensation, compensation internally itself. And it it is closer to that pure idea. Yeah,
1: totally agree. And that's like the, the, like the major positive aspect is that it opens opportunities for people all over the world to get involved in, you know, and create and build awesome shit. I hope I can swear on this podcast. Sorry, but I'll try, try to refrain from that. <laughs> yeah. That's like the positive thing to it. You can literally have anyone all over the world. Tom's got an amazing idea. You can spin up a project team, people who also believe in that vision and you've got the power and the tooling in place to go and deliver and go change the world. I just feel like there are some challenges that that itself self brings is the kind of yes, yep. uh, it's, it's a double-edged sword it's a mm-hmm. double-edged sword however in my opinion the positives outweigh um the negatives to give you an example so i do some project management freelance in another DAO called white hat DAO which build audit do crazy stuff in, on, in web3 and just traditional crypto projects right like smart contract development what have you so I can basically pick and choose what projects I want to manage. I'm pretty well situated there. However, I've run into a few occurrences now where I've had, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this a bit in a bit more detail after I said this. Devs just dropped out last minute. Work hasn't been done and we do a lot of work for clients, right? We've got our public goods facing stuff where we do safety ratings for projects free of charge, just to give back to the web free and the traditional crypto community, investors, retail investors, for example, but our client bespoke work. I need that level of accountability where I can rely on developers to stick around, to do the work. And I don't micromanage. I have my weekly sprint with them, catch up and I say, look, man, if you've got any issues, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go crazy at you. Just please be open and transparent with me and together we'll come up with a solution, right? And if we've got a blocker, we've got a blocker. We'll talk to the client about it. This is all new technology. People are still learning it. There's going to be teething issues in the beginning. That's the real issue. Now that kind of leads me onto another point is the other challenge with DAOs is that kind of validation or verifying the competency level of a person, because where the, where, or right. It's autonomous, but also a lot of people aren't doxxed. Also a lot of people, you don't know much about them. Justice, I have got yeah. you on LinkedIn, right? So I can put a lovely face to the lovely voice. If i never, if I didn't add you on, on uh, LinkedIn, I'd just see your like, NFT picture. I'd just see, mm-hmm. I'd just see that picture. I don't know who you are. I am going by that trust that you know what you're talking about. And it's obviously clear that you do justice. Like, like we've spoken at length about this before, but that creates an issue where you can't verify the competency that can impact projects. You could have some awesome people, personalities and ideas that come to come into the fold of a project team, but very quickly they become overwhelmed very quickly. They're like, I really don't think I've got the mental bandwidth for this. And then you go to do a sprint and there's been this kind of like week long period of Everything's going fine. No one's communicated any blockers. And And then nothing. And I've had that happen to me three times on one project for a client and trying to manage that kind of like client relationship. you, You don't really want to turn around and say, yeah, guys, we've had three devs dropped out and that's like one by one and it's frustrated the hell out of our lead dev and it's just created a load of like tension and all of this stuff. That is something I would love. If we can nail down and I do think justice, if you don't mind me saying, I think the PM guild that's just been established in Dow will be a massive spearhead of that just within the space in general, we have people come in to the guild, this is like the plan. We have people come into the guild. If they don't know much about like project management, full stop, they've got the perfect hub to learn from people who are in sleeping in that environment living and breathing it they're in bed with the industry you know how it is god we both work jobs and we're both into this as like a side hobby it's like non-stop it starts feeling like 60 70 hour weeks when it gets busy and um there's a ton of information knowledge transfer going on if the pm guild was to come up with her web3 accreditation then We've got a game changer because there you go. You've got like a D work certification or you've got a club app or you've got like an NFT that interests, you can say bankless Dow mm-hmm. has, I don't know. We don't really like certifications, but it's like in a society, like the Dow society where people aren't doxxed I feel like that certification is really handy, especially if it's soul bound, it can't be traded. It can't be transferred to another wallet, right? If it's locked to that one ENS server or that one MetaMask wallet, trust wallet, whatever, or like another website, then someone could say, look, I did this work in this project, in this DAO, and here's my certification from the PM Guild in Bankless to say. Yeah, this was a cracking job. This person is a competent project manager, is a competent agile. We would feel we'd be happy to give like testimony to any other organization in the web free space for them to be add a lot of value to your team and a lot of value to your community. And I think that's something PM Guild can do, which will really like propel this kind of like autonomous team mm-hmm. ideal
0: into it being the norm, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah, just to. Just to add some, some definitions or some ideas to some of our listeners, you' I to mean, be familiar, like basically everything we're talking about in Web3 is made possible by cryptocurrency. It allows you to exchange tokens with each other. And these tokens can be used to access restricted areas or gain access to other funds or represent your membership in a team. And then on top of that, you have multi-sigs and multi-sigs are basically special wallets that you hold a special token. and. You're able, as long as you get enough other people to vote, to unlock money that's in that treasury, unlock that. Multi-Docs, has been mentioned by Floyd, is basically a revelation of your true identity. And when he says that a lot of people are not docs, basically most people are cartoon dog pitchers. (laughs) And a lot of people prefer it to to be private. And that's not just because it's a bunch of kitties on Web3. It's because uh, Web3 came originally from the cypherpunks and the idea with the cypherpunks is that you should be able to have as many identities as you please. And so it's a culture thing and mm-hmm. it's actually fewer people actually reveal their true like day identity, because here's the thing in today's world, your view on certain political issues or whatever can make you lose your job or get kicked out or, or can cause a lot of problems for you. You should be able to interact through any number of identities. And so that's the culture there. Um, On the whole, like upside and the connection here, just want to restate to our listeners, this is the connection. The modern agilist is about the modern. And PM Agility 3.0 is agile in Web3. And those upsides and those major promises we have of next level autonomy, true permissionless, also have the challenges of, you got a bunch of random people just showing up here and there. You also have to deal or mitigate the issues of people just not showing up and and those type of things. And also the anonymity of this person says they're an expert and actually they, they were a mailman who just retired and they don't know anything about <laughs> okay. BC. It's, you have to deal with that. I, I would say that probably the most popular way to deal with or the attempt to deal with the ephemerality of team membership right now is establishing tools that that provide for reputation. Yes. Um, because reputation. Think about it. It is the age old, the very. Think about eBay. What would eBay be without reviews and reputation? It could not be functional. You'd make a scam account every day, burn somebody on money. You'd make a fortune just burn it. The entire online marketplace built on reputation. We don't have those strong reputation mechanics in web three yet so the idea is let's start building them a second way to deal with this is a heavy use of bounties so rather than paying people a lot of money for a thing and then wondering if you're going to get it basically larger things are broken up into small pieces and when those pieces are delivered money is paid out and it's interesting that that type of stuff what it looks like is it looks like people moving tickets on a jira board and then at the end of a sprint basically whatever the story points or whatever associated with those tickets actually equate to some um of, of cryptocurrency paid out and so it looks like that there's a there's another way that's not real popular but i'm keen on exploring and that's staked leadership where if you have a team and they say they're going to provide something in order for them to get the contract and the investment they actually have to put up money which says if they don't deliver they won't get it and so let's say they're asking for a hundred units of they're asking for a million dollars they put up a million and basically they get paid on a monthly basis that if they come through and deliver the whole thing all the way to the end they'll get all they'll get the full two million back but some kind of financial incentive uh, it's an insurance policy really
1: yeah and i like that i that last like i like them all but I'm more familiar with the first two. That last one I've not really heard about, but that I think comes back to that accountability. It's a kind of like, I love nudge theory and that's like a nice nudge to force accountability on a project team. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. It comes back to some of those challenges that we're just discussing, people dropping off and people just not delivering on the, the targets of the project, the milestones, the stories, the tickets, whatever you want to call it. If there's that kind of like level of financial incentive, right, I've got to put up like a deposit, like a safety net for this team that are about Mm -hmm. to invest in my project and my my guys doing the delivery of that project, then that puts the accountability back on that person. Without there being a hierarchy, it's just the finance side of it. It's like we've put money up. We've got to deliver it because it's in our best interest to do a good job of it. So we need to ensure that we know the people that we're working with. We've worked with them before in other Web3 projects. We can verify and uh, I love this saying. It's in crypto it's don't trust, verify. And the same principle applies to working with people in Web3. You've got, you don't just trust, but you've got to verify that as well. You've got to verify that you can trust this person to do a job. Obviously an ideal world is where that doesn't even have to come into the equation, you just, you can have blind You're in you're in a DAO where there's r- kind of rigorous onboarding where we can ascertain whether or not someone can do what they're saying they can do, but we're not quite right there yet i don't think i just think we wouldn't be
0: in a little bit more time man we'll all be playing this mmo where you pick your you can pick wizards and uh, orcs to be a part of your crew and they'll have their ratings and history and skill sets and it all it was so weird that you video said that. I was playing a little bit of World of Warcraft with <laughs> a couple of mates before I jumped on into this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it,
1: life's got that boring, guys. Life's
0: Listen, it, boring. Ethereum started with Vitalik losing a sword in water cool Warcraft. Warcraft. Yeah. it's only fitting that this whole thing looks like World of Warcraft. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Imagine that. Yeah, you're walking in. Like, this does
1: slightly make me cringe. Call me. Call me, like <laughs> old-fashioned. This slightly makes me cringe. You choose your role. Your role yes. is project manager or, <laughs> or something like that yeah, yeah. and you go through different steps to level up your competency or if you can do like this tutorial section at the beginning and you hit X, Y, and Z criteria, it's like, right. We bump you straight to level 50. You're at end game stuff. Now you're, <laughs> you're delivering on the big projects. But I think Even though it's in jest, that is a pretty awesome way of thinking about how we can like bring back that, that bring that permissionless autonomous way of working for project managers across the world because if they're a good project manager they can walk in or if they're not a good project manager they've got a very clear way of get becoming one getting that knowledge transfer that learning that understanding. I love that you brought that up Justice. I think that's awesome.
0: All right Flew, we only got a few minutes left and so we want to get your take on Listeners are listening to us right now, and they're like, they're they're PMP diehards, or they're just getting. I think I made friends with someone recently. They said, "Hey, I just got my. I'm doing my uh, acp which is that one, Rick? That's, yeah,
2: That's yeah, a cool one. PMACP. I think is yeah,
0: yeah. So it's the project, the Agile Certified Practitioner, or something. So they're just stepping in, they're learning the routes. How do they get ahead? Because I think the old saying, the idea was that I think a guy who basically popularized the singularity, Ray Kurzweil, he said, we have to be training and learning things today of which there are no jobs because by the time we'll get there, you need to be in the right place. Like the baseball player runs to where the ball is going to be, not to where it is. So Floyd, where does someone in that position today, where do they run now so that they're right in the right place when that ball hits?
1: So firstly said, and secondly, I think what they do is if you can kindly share some links after this podcast to Bankless okay. DAO, we can get them onboarded and they can join the PM guild and they can start like, really putting that agile learning into practice in a way, in an environment that's all about learning, all about transferring skills, bridging over to this new way of working. And I, we are in the process of going for our guild coordinator, so it's like we've Just how DAOs work, it's all around governance and democracy, right? So we'll vote in a role holder and I've gone for the education work stream coordinate and talent education work stream lead. Come and join PM Guild in Bankless DAO, Justice or Rick, if um, you can share like an invite link to Bankless and say, if people say, Hey, we listen to the Modern Agilist uh, podcast, then we can snatch those people, bring them into the fold and, you know, really start building out. That bridging their skill set over into the web three, the new way of working and get them ahead of the game, get them ahead of the curve, which is also a wow achievement. For any if we're still talking about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I will say yeah. I would say anyone who does join or want to press into delivery, delivery in web three, and specifically the Bankless Project Management Guild, it's not because they have the book. We're we're writing the book. It's like that. We're trying to figure it out right now. So come
1: and be a part of that, Mm. come join us on that journey. Our kind of, and it's a shame we didn't get to talk about this. Maybe if you invite me to another podcast in the future, if your listeners found this valuable, we can talk about some strategy stuff as well. That's quite iterative, but we had a long, long long-term ambition and outcome, which is to be the Mecca of Web3 for project management. So not just Bankless out, but Web3 in general, the whole space, we want to create the best project managers for the space and ship them off and let them go and absolutely obliterate their careers in, in the positive, in a positive sense. No, yeah, I sorry.
0: the, what's un, unlocked by that is think about something like a constitution DAO that can raise $47 million in a week. And then when we talk about large scale delivery, those who define, those who master or define large scale delivery in the 21st century will define the economic landscape. That like the, the, the power there and the promise.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the best way from my perspective and understanding, because I'm kind of like live and breathe and proof of it, I joined the PM working group before it become a guild. And as a result, it pushed me to go and seek full-time occupation in the space. And I managed to successfully achieve that within quite a short period of time. And I'm super stoked about it. So yeah, come and join us. We, we host a weekly call at 8 p.m. UTC on a Friday. Come pop in, introduce yourself. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. That'll put you in such a good position.
0: Floyd, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was great. Perfectly illustrated the connection of the connection we're trying to make on this show.